city of Lexington, it has actually become a little Beirut. In the last week alone, I believe that we've had over, and if not, I want to get everybody to where they should be by now. In the last week alone, I believe that we have had over nine shootings. Within those shootings, I believe that we have had one child to die. One 15-year-old child to die. And in most cases, in most cases here lately, when you hear of young men dying to gun violence, we feel bad, but usually we say, these kids need to chill out. They need to get somewhere and sit down. They need to calm down. But it is in this instance, in this instance, this young man, he didn't need to chill out. He didn't need to go somewhere and sit down. He didn't need to calm down. In fact, it's safe to say that he was robbed. For almost the last month, I've been talking with different people about the late, great Kobe Bryant. And, and I just keep saying he was robbed to be headed to a youth basketball game to coach his daughter and her friends. And while on the way, the helicopter wrecked into a mountain, causing the aircraft to plummet some 2,300 feet down, going at the rate of speed of 183 miles an hour, I've been saying to everyone that I've been saying to everyone that I've been talking to, everybody on the plane was robbed. But after hearing about this young man who was hit with a bullet while trying to sleep, which would end up taking his life, well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to let you know that's robbery. What happened to Kobe and Gigi and the other passengers on the helicopter was a tragic accident. But what happened to that young man the other night was plain and simple robbery. Over three years ago in Louisville, Kentucky, while a six-year-old child sat at the kitchen and enjoying a piece of birthday cake and playing on his tablet, being struck in the head, his head, by a stray bullet, and dying immediately, that was robbery. Close to four, forgive me if I'm wrong, but five maybe years ago, here in Lexington, Kentucky, while entertaining young company uh, uh, in a sleepover at her house, at, at her own house, where it was supposed to be safe, a teenager was struck by gunfire, and for now, and now, unless the Lord does something different, will forever be paralyzed. That was robbery. May I dare remind you of our own, Lexington's own bright young star, Trinity. Trinity Gay, who while, while at a burger joint hanging out late with some friends was hit by stray ammunition at the hands of some people who had beef with one another but had nothing to do with her. And as a consequence, this future Olympian, as her father is, 
was snatched out of this world far too soon. And as a consequence, this beautiful young lady will never get to show the world how fast she was. She will never get to show how bright she was, nor will she get to show how talented she was. None of these children mentioned will have the awesome pleasure of falling in love. Lord have mercy. They will never have the opportunity of raising a family and contributing to society what it is that God had in them, had in them for us. I could spend the rest of my time down here in this sanctuary going through the many, many names of peoples and their stories who are no longer here today, gone way too early and not as a plan of God, but rather at the hands of the enemy. Babies, babies killing babies. And as a consequence, we have young men filling up graveyards. Young men filling up prisons. And I would like to tell you that we live in a world where the prosecutors and the judges, when they sentence these young men to, to basically the rest of their lives in prison, it was with the hope that they would that they would somehow, while in the system, that convicted criminal would somehow find find a way to find the best version of them. And while on lockdown. Even from a prison lockup, they could find ways to become blessings to those in the system that would one day be released back into society having a second chance. Don't tell me, don't tell me that it can't be done. Because on the strength of a couple of men, unless the more Lord moves, we'll never see the streets again as free men. You have a pastor standing before you today preaching this great gospel of Jesus Christ. And in the midnight hour, when you didn't know which way to turn because it felt like hell was knocking at every side and you called on me or you, you called on First Lady and we talked and we prayed and you found strength and peace to make it through another day. And that's because there were some brothers on the inside of a prison system who had somehow sown some seeds into me to show me a better me. Though to many in the natural, it looks like those guys that will never get out of the penitentiary may have thrown their lives away. And in the belly of the beast and in the darkest part of the valley, God showed up on the scene of their lives and said, I still have for you purpose and things to do. And though you may not ever walk out of here a free man, and, and though you may not ever know what it is to touch and, 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 and feel and operate in a free world again, I still have purpose for your life. And I don't know about nobody else up in here, but I'm so glad, Lord have mercy. I'm so glad he, 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 he did what he done. That he did what he done, uh, uh, not just for me, but for everybody who's been touched by somebody that life might have been given up on. It was systematic. Oh, it was systematic. Don't get me wrong. 
God didn't and doesn't want to see nobody confined to prison. But sometimes we mess up and, and there's a cost that has to be paid. But I stopped by to tell somebody just because you mess up don't mean you have to stay messed up. In fact, the Bible says, and it's one of my favorite verses, a just man falls seven times, but he gets back up again. Can I just go ahead and submit to you that that verse tells me that the shame is not in falling, but the shame is when we decide to stay down. I don't care how you might have missed it. I don't care how you might have dropped it. If you get back up with God as the head of your life, your life, well, how mercy, your life will begin to operate in a way that it never has before. And I remember when I submitted to Jesus in the Louisville jail, the Louisville County Jail, and people was making fun of me. You know how the haters do. And the haters were hating on me, and they were talking about, oh, now he got in jail, and he done, he done messed around and got jailhouse religion. And my response was, you're right. I experienced Jesus in a jail cell. And I don't know about nobody else up in here, but I'm glad, Lord have mercy, that he's a God that's not too good for jail. I'm glad that he's a God that's not too good for the crack house. I'm, is it anybody in here that feels me today? I'm glad, Lord have mercy, that he's not a God that, that says I'm too busy to deal with the depressed. Is it anybody that knows what I'm talking about when I say I'm glad that we serve a God that don't mind sitting up with the lonely? You, you, Y'all ain't hearing me up in here today. Is it anybody that can say I tried him, Lord have mercy, when there was nothing and nobody else to try. I tried him, when, oh Lord, when, when so-called friends left me for dead. I tried him, even when family let me down. I tried him when I was just plain tired and sick of myself. And I learned that he was faithful. The last couple of weeks has been chaotic. And they've been chaotic. But I can promise you that God will get the glory out of even all the madness that's been going on. And if we as a church and churches all over the city will begin to posture ourselves in a position of prayer and not just praying to cry out and not just praying to, because your heart is heavy, but praying on a level that's releasing answers from heaven, praying in such a way that solutions are being submitted into the earth realm that give us a way out of this mess, that show us what really needs to be done, that tells us what we need to say and who we need to say it to and when we need to say it, I'm telling you. Something out here would change. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of praying and everything's remaining the same. I'm tired of praying. Oh, Lord, and things change for a minute, but ultimately go back to the way they were. No, no, I'm looking for some power from prayer. I'm, I'm looking for people who, when they pray, they come out sweating. They ain't worried about their hair, and they ain't worried about what they got on. And I'm talking about right down here at the altar. By the time that they get done praying, demons are delivered. Strongholds are broken. Hell has to back up, and they ain't worried about nothing but seeing something come from being positioned to pray. Lord, have mercy. I'm, I'm looking for people who, who, when they get up from prayer, have an expectancy that something just shifted. They can feel it in their spirit. Something just shifted, that something just turned around. I'm looking for strongholds to be identified. And once identified, tore up and tore apart. What I'm trying to say is that we have an enemy that is playing. Now, let me back that up. Because our enemy is not playing at all. He's for real. And that's the problem. 
we have a serious enemy, but not a serious church. Lord, have mercy. We've got a serious enemy, but not a serious church. And he's working for keeps. That's why addiction is so major to the kingdom of darkness, because I don't care what type of addiction it is. One of the acts of addiction is it draws one away. You ever see people addicted to crack or addicted to meth, heroin, money, or alcohol, and it draws them away, and usually away from where they are loved and, and from where they are safe, and usually from where the truth is. The Bible says, in fact, in the book of James, chapter 1, verses 12 through 15, blessed is the man that endureth temptation, uh, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord promised to them that love him. Let no man say that when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth any man. Verse number 14 says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Verse number 15, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. I, I, I just want to work with those verses for a second. Verse number 12 says, let, let us, uh, 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 let's us know that blessed are those of us that when we are tried, endures the temptation. So, so, so off the dribble, right from the beginning, we know that we are going to be tried. There ain't no two ways about that. You are going to be tried. And the Bible tells us that if we can endure the temptation, we will be blessed. I want to deal with two words here. The first word I want to deal with is the word endure. Somebody say endure. Endure means to continue in the same state or to suffer some difficult, uh, unpleasant, or painful thing. I, I, I used to teach uh, twice a year. I used to teach a Bible study called Choices. Be careful how you choose. And the reason that I taught the Bible study twice a year was because I was constantly trying to drive home one bad decision could possibly destroy everything. Anybody know something about that? You, you know, one bad decision of having unprotected sex with someone could have you taking 20 pills a day just to keep you alive. The decision to drive home uh, from the club when you know that you've had way too much to drink could, could ruin your life and the ruin it could ruin the lives of so many others. Uh, we could go on and on about different choices and and, uh, and and a blink of an eye, in the blink of an eye, how they could rearrange your whole existence. When I think about the definition of the word endure as related to with as related with sin, it begins to get a little deep to me because the word addiction begins to come about. Lord have mercy. Let, let's let's look at it. The word endure means to suffer something. Difficult, unpleasant, or painful. Has anyone ever made a choice in your mates? You meet a guy or you meet a girl and, and you see them and, and, and it's cool at first. In fact, oftentimes, at first, they seem like they could really be the one. Let's look at it from two scenarios. I want you to see it from two different ways. Scenario number one. Scenario number one. Uh, you, you, you know someone, you know somewhat of this person's reputation. This is scenario number one. Or, or if you don't, a people, a few of the people that you trust and know, they know about the person that you're thinking about dealing with. 
and they are real honest with you about this person and about what they know about this person, but you choose to not take heed of the information or the advice. You let this person know that you are saved. You are striving to live holy and there will be no sex before marriage. Now, what's sad but true today is for the average person going to church, this type of conversation really never comes up. When we begin to talk to people about, you know, you know, my favorite color is blue. My lucky number is 12. My luck, you know, all of that. One of the things that we tend to leave out of our conversation is religion, is the things of God. Because we know that if we begin to talk about the things of God, immediately in our mind pops up things that we just cannot do, should not have a part in. Amen. Oh, Lord, have mercy. And, 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 so, and, so, and so what happens, and the reason for this is, another reason for this is, because a lot of times what we do is we substitute God's standard with our own. Ah, did you hear that? We substitute God's standard with our own. We don't necessarily go by what the word tells us to do. We go what, with what feels right to us. I know, I know that I'm not supposed to do this and do that, but he or she is so much different from the last one. I know I'm not supposed to do this or that with he or she, but he or she, uh, they talk. I mean, they go to church with me even on the afternoon service. I know I shouldn't be doing, you understand, these things, but, but, but I find myself doing them nonetheless. Why? Because they have passed my standard, and my standard will never be on the level or the standard of God. My standard don't call for too much. Lord have mercy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Did, did, you, did you ever realize how much your standard wasn't when you began to put your standard up against God's? You, you understand what I'm saying to you? And so, and, so, and so what I mean is God says that we are not to have sex until we are married. And though we might not like that command, I want you to write this down. Uh, we might not like that command, no sex until you're married. There is safety in that command. I'll tell you why. In the year 2020, men aren't waiting around until they're married to have sex with a woman until they're married unless he really just loves her. And I can't speak for the women because I'm not a woman, but I am a man and I can speak for me. I'm, I was never waiting around to have sex with a woman uh, uh, until we got married unless I loved her. And I'm probably speaking for every man in here or the man would be married 20 times. He'd be a, what's the word, a bigamist? Is that what that word is? Yeah. Is that what it is? That's a bigamist, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in, 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 huh? Polygamist, that it is, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean. Can't afford the first wife. How are you going to have 20? In fact, let's take it even deeper. In fact, not just the year 2020. That's the year whatever. And not just men. People aren't waiting to have sex with one another until marriage unless it's something seriously in their heart saying, I love them and I don't want to mess this up. But you are saved. Let's get back to scenario number one. You are saved. They know it. They play the role for a while. And then the issue of sex becomes an issue. The topic of sex becomes an issue. You, you the saved person, gives in. Look, even if you're throwing, uh, 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 being saved out the window, still you have the reputation of your true friends to stop you. 
So even when you say, I'm not going to operate in my safe state, you still got your people that love you and that you know that you can trust, but they know the person that you're getting with, and they're telling you, here is the reputation of this, per- this person. I have seen everything that they're doing with you done before, and it has never worked out for the other person's good. You know them, you can trust them, faithful are the wounds of a friend, and yet, so since you've thrown salvation out the window, since you've thrown being saved out the window, you still got the, 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 the conversation of your friends. And you decide to not listen to that either. Let's just say you go forth in this sexual activity, and all of a sudden you begin to see truths about this person that everyone was telling you. And so now after six months of playing married, the person is acting as if they could care less about your feelings. So when this happens, no big deal, right? Just walk away. I mean, you ain't going to let nobody just sit there and dog you, are you? Of course you're not. You know they mean. You know they no good. You know they mean you no good. You know you know you got played. You know you played yourself. So just walk away. Only if it was that easy. Huh? Only if it was that easy, right? If you could simply just decide no more abuse of any kind from this person. They don't want to act right, be right. It's over. Let me go ahead and back that up. Quit looking for the people that act right and hold out for the people that be right. You, you get it act right, acting something that they not really are, but they're just showing you so that they can have their way. But truth be told, it's never that easy just to walk away, is it? And the reason that it isn't is because you chose to go places with them physically that affected you mentally and now just walking away is easier said than done. I'm talking in here. I'm talking in here. Scenario number two. Scenario number two. You meet the same person and none of your friends know the person and you don't know of any of the person, you don't know of any of the person's reputation, but what you do know is that you are saved and you have been hurt far too many times to this time let go of your Christian values. But months down the line, you haven't been focused. You've loosened up in the areas of your Christian defense. And now you and the person is sexually active and the same thing begins to happen that happened in scenario number one. So you just leave, you just leave them alone, right? If it was that easy. But it's not. And because of that choice that you chose, you are far more vulnerable to going through hurtful and harmful things. Like a lot of times it takes, oh God, and and, and, and the things that you go through, a lot of times it takes people years to come back from. Can I just make a point? How many of you have had your hearts broken for real? How long did it take to come back from that? I'm talking about that type of heartbreak. Where you laid in the bed, and it didn't matter what you showered or not. You, 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 you told the kids cook what's in there. You, in some instances, you had to take the kids and give them to somebody. I'm talking about hurt for real. I'm talking about hurt to the point to where nothing that nobody said made anything feel better. And some type of, in some type of sick, twisted way, the only way that you did feel some type of better is when you was telling somebody about how hurt 
you were. Oh, Lord, have mercy. And how much more they were hurting you. And you didn't want to hear no verses. You didn't want no prayer. You didn't want to go to church. You didn't want to read no book. You didn't want nobody sending you no encouraging text for some reason because hurt thrives, it wants, it desires more hurt. And all you wanted to do was somebody to listen to you and just say, and don't, and don't say nothing. I just want to kill myself softly. I just want to keep hearing over and over again how messed up this is. Anybody ever been there? When, 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 when it should be the one thing that you're trying to get away from, but it's the only thing that you can stay close to, the pain. And so now we have to look at the definition for endure, to suffer something difficult, unpleasant, painful, deep, huh? But if we endure on another level, Lord have mercy. If we endure on another level, like when the temptation is presented, listen, even if you've been together two years and engaged the last year, so together you've been together a total of three years and until you are married and the topic and the topic of sex comes up, I want you to understand it's still just temptation. Did you hear that? I don't care how you try to play it. Anything that comes up that is contrary to the word of God is temptation. Potential sin if you bite. But 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 if you take cold showers, Lord have mercy. Remember Laverne and Shirley. Carmine had to take those cold showers because Shirley wasn't having it. You know, uh, and she would have to Carmine would just Go take a cold shower. Go take a if you take a cold shower, if you left one another's home at a respectable time, if you made a vow not to be alone in ways that could hem y'all up. See, back in the day, you didn't just get to go out one on one. I believe the Ashcraft could could tell you about that because I think one couple used to chaperone the other couple, and that's how one couple got married. While then the other couple got married because they were chaperoning. The reason for the chaperone was ain't nothing going on but holiness. And you didn't put yourself in a situation to where, you know what I'm saying, it's it's 11 o'clock at night, ain't no kids at the crib, ain't nobody else around, nobody even knows you over here at this apartment, you just moved over here two weeks ago, don't nobody know you, don't nobody know his car, her car, and now all of a sudden we're here trying to be strong. How has that ever worked out for you? Just trying to be strong. Can I just go ahead and tell you, left to your own will, you will always fail. Accepted be by the power of the Holy Ghost. You cannot make this walk alone. You're taking cold showers, leaving at a respectable time. You've you got situations set up to where you're not going to hem yourselves up. And, and even with all that, can I just go ahead and tell you, with all that precautions that you're taking, it's still going to be rough. <laughs> but, but, but the Bible says that when you endure that way, Lord, have mercy, you are blessed. It says when you can hold on against temptation that way, 
See, you, you, you're going to endure one of two ways. You feel me, Dion? You're going to endure one of two ways. You're either going to endure through the pain of the hell that for real, for real, you caused yourself by being disobedient, or you're going to endure as a good soldier. You're going to endure. You're going to do what you got to go through. You're going to do what you got to do to make sure that you find yourself pleasing before the Lord. And he says, and when you do that, you're blessed. When we break the word blessed down in the, in the Greek, one of the definitions it says is uh, to be envied. People will see God in your life, God blessing you, God keeping you, and folk will want that. And some folk will ask you how to get it, and right then, God has been glorified. But, 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 but you are going to have to endure. Lord. The, other word, the other word I want to define real quickly is it's temptation. <laughs> oh, yeah, temptation. And temptation is the desire to do something, especially something wrong or unwise. Any, anybody ever been tempted? Mm -hmm. so, so, so now when you deal with the definition of temptation, we see the flesh. Because it will always be the flesh that desires to do something wrong or unwise. And this definition actually works the point of James chapter 1, verse number 13, when it says, Let no man say that when they are tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. You see that? I, I know, I know y'all saw on the page where I said, hashtag I feel like preaching. <laughs> and you thought, uh-oh, I'm going to make it to church today. But I promise you, if you'll take some notes, apply what you write down, and begin to walk this thing out, life will be different. I promise you. All you got to do is try it. You understand what I'm saying to you? If you just stop coming to church looking for your flesh to be tickled, looking for your flesh to be satisfied, stop looking to be entertained, but say, you know what? I'm tired of going out the way that I've been going out. I want to be empowered. I want to be educated. You understand what I'm saying to you? Empower me. Don't entertain me. Because truth be told, none of you in here should like me in your flesh. You should hate me in your flesh. Let no man say that when he is tempted. That women, that don't let you off the hook. He means men and women. Let no one, because God ain't, he don't get caught up in gender. <laughs> so let no one say that when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, neither tempted he any man. God will never get this, y'all. I want you to hear this. God will never tempt you with anything that if you choose unwisely would give you the need to repent. God does not and will never put you in a position that will cause you to lose salvation. Never. And any time that you find yourself in a situation where you're having to make a decision on if you're going to do right or wrong, that is not a decision that God has given you to make. He will never tempt you like that. Why? Because he understands he understands we are sheep. He loves us too much to set us up for that type of a failure. So, so make sure you write this down. Anything that if you choose the wrong way can cost you heaven is not a decision God has given you to make. Should I smoke this? Should I drink this? Should I have sex with them? Should I say that? Should I repeat that? Should I lie? 
Should I be argumentative? Should I justify wrong? Should I repay evil with evil? With evil? Should I watch that? See, all of those and more like them can be tempted to do, and none are of God. None of those that I ask you, if you say, if you say yes to, would you be blessed by the Lord? But instead, you would have to repent. Amen. So, so, so when you are being tempted. You know, that's your flesh, that's the enemy, and how you respond to the temptation of evil will determine the next several course of events in your life, if not them all. One decision to do evil could cost you everything. Are you hearing me in here today? One decision in here, one decision to do evil could cost you your marriage. One decision to do evil could cost you your children. One decision to do evil could cost you your life. The verses are 12 through 15. Blessed are the men that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. And let no one say that when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed then when lust hath conceived it bringeth forth sin and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death I want you to look at verse 14 there's a nugget there there's a nugget in verse 14. Lord have mercy. There's a nugget that says, be on watch. Be on lookout. Why? Well, look at 14 again. Because every man is tempted. Did you hear me in here? Every man is tempted. And, and your temptation might not tempt me. And my temptation might not tempt them <laughs> or anyone else. But one thing about it, we can all be sure of because the Bible lets us know we are all going to be tempted. And since we know that, we have to be sober. We have to be vigilant. We have to be careful. We have to be focused. One of the biggest problems, the biggest problem in the 21st century church is we are not focused. We are focused on things that do not matter. We are focused on things that cannot get us to heaven and keep us from hell. We are focused on things that, that will come and go. We are focused on things that will die, but we are not focused on the things that matter. We got people more focused on their job than they are on heaven. Lord, have mercy. We got people more focused on their weight than they are on heaven. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? We got people more focused on their boo, their bae, their husband, their wife than they are on heaven. And since this is the situation, we have a problem. We have a problem. When we have a building full of people that are coming to the building under the guise of Christianity, and we are focused on everything except Christ himself. We'll leave every Christian belief if it does something for the flesh. We, in the words of Bishop Isaiah Kennedy, we have a problem. 
It says in 14, it goes on to tell us that if or when temptation has been able to draw you away, let me tell you something. The farther away temptation can draw you away from the truth, the more damage it can do to you. Oh, God. (laughs) Get this. God can come get you no matter how far you've been drawn away. And he has with every one of us that's in this building today that's called on him. But when he came, got you, please understand, he came and got a damaged you. And the level of your damage was contingent upon how far your lust drew you. (laughs) Because your lust didn't just draw you away, it drew you away from something, from his love, from his protection, from his provision, from his truth. And 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 and, and, and continued upon how far he it, it, you were drawn. Con- continued upon how how far was you out there when you came to yourself and began to call on the Father, Abba, Father, I need you. Continued about how far out there you were tells us your level of damage, and that's why some of you are in church, but you're still not whole. That's why some of you are in church, but you still cry yourself to sleep every night. That's why some of you have everything that people three rows down or two seats over need, but you still ain't got no satisfaction because you're still dealing with damage. He's a good God and he will come and get you, but but there is a process to relieving yourself or to begin to heal from this damage. Damage just don't go away because God stepped on the scene. Damage just don't go away because all of a sudden somebody loves you and wants to give you their last name. Ah, Some of you need to stop trying to find somebody until you have healed on the inside for real and quit trying to take your damaged self to somebody else that's probably damaged. And and you know you got somebody that's damaged as you are damaged because when they see your damage, they're willing to take the damage, though they, you understand what I'm saying? So damage, see damage, and let's just be damaged together. And nine times out of ten, that damage is going to have you damned. Trying to figure out. Isn't it a thing that when we say what, what, we, what we have in common is the things that hurt us? You know, we both have been hurt before. We both have been married and it didn't work out. We both have been let down. We both have been cheated on. We both have been in abusive relationships. We both have been with people that didn't care anything about us. And that's why we're together. Don't you see there's something wrong with that? When when I begin to 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 hear uh, when when you the only thing I want to hear about that you was damaged and they was damaged is that we both got healed and so we know what not to do to one another and we know the signs when we see them popping up and we adhere to those signs when we see them and so the damage will not play a part in our marriage. We have mastered preachers getting people down to the pulpit and accepting Jesus, but we have yet to figure out how to deal with the damage. And this is solely and strictly because we have refused to take psychology and integrate it with theology. (laughs) Because we believe that once we begin to do that, that we begin to take away from the power of God. Do you understand that God made psychology? Can't preach your pain away. You got to you got to be delivered. <laughs> There's clinical things 
that's going to be necessary for some. Some of you have been raped and molested and abused in such ways that it ain't going to be no sermon to bring you out. That is going to take some clinical expertise to, to, to deal with you. And it's going to take some time. And this is why they tell you when you go in the rooms of NA and AA, don't even think about a relationship for at least a year. Why? You've got too much to heal from. This is what the problem is. This is why the churches are not strong because we everybody got to have somebody. So so we break up with this person uh, uh, tomorrow and, 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 and in four weeks we with somebody else. Ain't talked to nobody, ain't prayed about it. Ain't, you understand what I'm saying to you? Ain't, ain't went nowhere and, and thought about what, you know, don't, and, and, and just so used to being done wrong, didn't think much about it after you met somebody else. I want to encourage everybody in here that's just that's just determined to be with somebody. Slow down. What God has for you is for you. And anything that you just try to make happen will never be what you need. Lord have mercy. And then once you're tempted, once you're tempted, you were led away. Some of you are seeing this in your mind's eye, aren't you? Because while you were going through this hell, you understand what I'm saying to you? It was a torture. It, it was a torture. And then, and then you, were, you were tempted. You were led away. And get this. And then you was enticed. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You just said I was just tempted, led away, and now I'm enticed. The, the word enticed means to attract or tempt by offering pleasure or advantage. You get that? To attract or to tempt by offering pleasure or advantage. So, so, so once you have been tempted, you are drawn away by your own lust. And once you are drawn away, you are enticed. You are offered pleasure or advantage. I, I'd like to say you are promised pleasure or advantage. Amen? Let me break it down. Everybody, we're going to have an aha moment here in a second. I'm believing the Lord for that. Uh, uh, now, now, look, this is deep, and I want you to see why it's deep, because in the, in the Bible, in 1 John 2 and 16, verse John 2 and 16, it says, "For give me 1 John 2 and 16, for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now, now check this out. I want you to pay close attention here. This is gonna, this is gonna give you something, okay? Listen to this. The definition of the word entice is to attract or to attempt by offering pleasure or advantage. Look, look at what it offers. Uh, pleasure and or advantage. Pleasure deals with what? The flesh. Pleasure, pleasure deals with the flesh. The flesh wants to be pleasured. The eyes, the lust of the eyes, the eyes show the flesh, and the flesh want what it sees. So then, the eyes and the flesh are what? Pleasured. Lord, have mercy. The, the the eyes show the flesh. The flesh gets to feel, and now all of a sudden, the eyes got the flesh to do what it was needed to do, and now the eyes and the flesh is pleasured. Oh, God. And, and, and when you talk about, when you deal with advantage, 
we are talking about the pride of life. The pride of life can be defined as anything. Get this. The pride of life. Give me that definition. The pride of life can be defined as anything of the world. Lord, have mercy. Anything of the world, meaning that leads to arrogance, pride in itself, presumption, and boasting. John makes it clear that anything that produces the pride of life comes from the love of the world. And if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So, so, so what, what are we figuring out here? What we need to get rid of is the lust. The lust, the scripture says, when you are drawn away by your own lust, you have to deal with the lust in your life, the things that you lust for, because if you don't, they will eventually, you'll eventually be drawn away by it. I want you to understand, lust don't always have something to do with sex. Did you hear me? You, If you don't deal with the lust in your life, it will draw you away and you will eventually become damaged. Now, I hear you, Holy Ghost. And he says, and, 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 and 99% of the room knows exactly what I'm talking about. Those, those desires. So, so let me show you something. Give me, give me, give me uh, verse uh, 14. Let's go back. 13, uh, 13, 14. I, I want to see those real quickly, Shana. Go give me the next one. 14, but every minute something is on away. So hold on, 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 hold on. See that word lust? Now, I want to show you something. When lust and the flesh have sex, it births sin. You might want to write that one down. When lust and flesh have sex, it births sin. Can I say it again? It, when lust and flesh hook up, it births sin. When lust and temptation, my spiritual father used to say, if you got opportunity but not desire, you got opportunity in the room but desire is not there, you're okay. If you've got desire in the room but not opportunity, you're okay. But if opportunity and desire ever get in the same room, we have a problem. So, so what we have to do is we have to run that lust out of our body and we have to get rid of those sinful desires. See, see, you shouldn't want something that somebody else's. Whether it be a person or a position, you shouldn't want something that someone else's. That is a sinful lust. That is a sinful desire. A lustful desire. And when they begin to come together, what we get is sin. And the problem with that is, this is a baby that turns on its parents. This is a baby that once it comes out the womb, it immediately begins to attack you. 
because it leads to what? Death. Hold on, hold on. So I'm birthing something that's out to kill me. I'm birthing something that's going for the jugular. Soon I'll release it. And this is the only type of sex that you take part in that you immediately become pregnant. Both of you. Can I say it again? It is the only type of sex that when you take part in it, you immediately become pregnant. Both of you. Immediately. Whether your lust is for money sex, drugs, power, whatever your lust is for, as soon as it gets done, your flesh instantaneous. Why? Because you can never do wrong to make man consent. And as soon as the father gets birth from her, because you're seeing that it's going to birth, How so, Pastor? That's why you keep going with it. How so, Pastor? That's why you can't release it every minute and you're afraid. How can you love someone? How, how can you birth something that is how can you birth something that doesn't exist within you? <laughs> Everybody and every woman in here that's had a child, that child has loved you. Amen. And the reason, one of the reasons that you love that child so much is because as it grows, and you know that baby, you know, here's a baby, it hugs you back. You know, it could be two months old, right? And all of a sudden, it, you know, you hold it, you love me. And, you, you know, when it does that to you, and you just go, oh, my God, it loves me. And then you love it more, don't you? Like this baby, this baby, when it does this, it's actually going, Jesus said, "Bring it in." <laughs> Jesus said, "Now you can reap up to thirds." I just gave him up to. I just gave him up to. Can't believe I said nothing about that. <laughs> Here, all that I'm talking about—well, not me, Jesus said—hear these sayings of mine, and then you don't do them, and say. When I've given you the keys, the nuggets, to life. And then I tell you, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. And because I know you're a slow species, I give you the answers. Choose life. And the way that you're set up, some of you don't care nothing about yourself. But you, you you care more about your child than you care about yourself. So 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 check this. Then he said, so that you and your seed, your you and your descendants may live. Now let me go ahead and tell you something like this. I hear women say this all the time. You can do what you want to to me, but you can't do that to my child. The devil's a lie. They you love yourself enough that they can't do it to you neither. 
You have to start having a love for yourself that you say, no, 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 I ain't just about my child. You're not going to do me any type of way, and you definitely ain't going to do my child any type of way. But anytime that you allow yourself to be done any type of way, you automatically allow everything that you connected to to be done any type of way. How are you going to defend something when, uh, uh, when you won't defend yourself? If you won't defend yourself, you don't have the strength to defend whatever it is you're supposed to be loving. Oh, God, let's talk about that again. bring down the murder rate. I'm going to stop here. We're going we're gonna to finish this next week. We, we can bring down the murder rate in this city. We can, we, can, we, can, we can slow up some of the drug and alcohol usage in this city. We, we, can, we, can, we can see things shift and change for the better in this city. When the church becomes the church for real. Listen. After a week like this week, and let me tell you something. <laughs> this week kept me on my knees, you hear me? This week kept me praying. If I, <laughs> the reason that we are here is not to dress up and show everybody what we got. It's not to sit back and, you know, exchange recipes after service is over. Talk when you get home. Don't get here and talk. Prepare yourself for here before you get here so when you get here, you can be, you can be focused on what thus saith the Lord. Don't you know that the enemy be like, I'm going to tempt y'all the whole time. I'm going to distract you the whole service so, because I don't want folk to get what it is that's going out today. But when you take sermons and lessons like today and you begin to apply them to your life and you get that silliness and that childishness and all of that foolishness out of your mind and out of your, your way of being, and you get to the point where you say, I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. And in fact, I'm not just sick and tired for me, but I'm sick and tired for the city. I'm hurting for the mama that lost the baby. I'm hurting because he was robbed. I'm hurting because she has to try to figure out a way to deal with a pain that she does not deserve. I'm hurting for that. And because I am a disciple of Christ, I want to know, Jesus, how do I and what do I do to play a part in things being better? He says, well, the first thing you have to do is you have to surrender. You can't have no power if you don't surrender. Don't walk around here thinking you got some type of Christian power if you've not surrendered. You do not have Christian power if you've not surrendered. If you come to church and you've not surrendered, you do not have Christian power. You are a Christian problem. You are the reason that we can't get people saved. You are the reason that people won't come to church and be serious about it. You are the reason, you understand what I'm saying to you, that people, that our children don't respect church and God. And they'd rather find, they'd rather learn about Jeezy than Jesus. 
you are the reason if you play more rap music with profanity in it than you play than you play gospel music or K-Love or you understand what I'm saying to you don't don't you are the reason that your children operate in profanity if what you do is bring profanity to their life you are not a Christian operating in power you are a Christian problem and you are operating in the power of darkness not the power of light and I want you to be for real about it. And I want you to ask yourself this. I want you to be 100 with yourself today. And I want you to say, man, am I, a problem? am I a part of the problem? Am I playing church? I want you to ask yourself right there, right now, right now, all over the building. I don't want you to, don't answer it loud. Don't answer it loud. Am I a part of the problem? Am I asking my children to live better than I live myself? Am I expecting the people that I am connected to, to accept the God that I've yet to accept fully myself? Ask yourself. Not a problem. Not a problem. Do they see me and don't see righteousness? Do they see me and see a sometimey saint? Yeah, them answers are harsh, ain't they? Those answers are harsh. I don't care what you give somebody. I don't care how much you got. I don't care how much you. Let me tell you something. If you are a stumbling block. To our Savior. Lord have mercy. So listen. If you have a desire today, if you have a desire to say, I want to be a part of the solution, I want to speak to every visitor in this church. I want to speak to every visitor in this church. And I'm not meaning to put you on front street. Fact that I'm doing is I'm, excuse me. I saw something happen one day, and I don't know why I didn't just continue to follow it. But I said a word in here, and what happened is, out of the two people I said it to, one stayed. And the question is, if the church, if you're a visitor here, and I mean no disrespect to the church that you go to, I don't know, I promise. But if the church that you are attending ain't helping nobody, it's not telling you to walk out these doors and go save it. You're going to be a part of saving this world. Here we go. If it's not pushing you to holiness, if you walk out every Sunday and you really don't feel bad about where you are in your unrighteousness, why are you there? And chances are, there's a whole fleet of people on that ship. Lord, have mercy. Oh, the choir is awesome. Oh, the preacher sure can't preach. Can't tell you about what he preached, but, but he could preach. Yeah, we just do that. Yeah, we just do that. I don't know who. But what they preach about? Uh, I don't know. But we just did that within the last week. I can't remember who did it. The Lord won't let me. So this is why I text some of you and I said, I want you to come. You really need to be here today because I want to tell you a secret. The church in the 21st century, see, Jesus knew everything that was going to pop off. Nothing else, none of this is taking him by surprise. And what we have the opportunity to do is say, let's stop playing. 
connected to some of the pain that's been in some of these streets. I'm connected to things that have happened in a negative manner that should have changed my life as soon as it happened. I'm tired of playing. I want to die being a part of the solution. I want to die showing folk Jesus. And I want to get, so, 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 what, what, so how, how does that happen? I get connected to a ministry that's serious about Jesus. Well, you know what they say. Not with all that stuff he got going on. Not, not with all his children connected to. Not, 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 you, you can't, how you gonna say, see, 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 the assignment, the level of warfare of the assignment, you can see it in how he's attacked. <laughs> when, when you're going through more hell than a little bit, it's just an indication of the level of the assignment that you have on your life. And you don't have time to be running around here with these feel-good ministries or make you feel bad ministries. Man, you got to get healed and delivered and then we got to get out there on the front line and do something. You can do it. You can do it. Say it. Some of these churches should shut down. I'm going to say it. They should shut down. Anytime that you got a church full of nothing but old people, you have a dying church. There's no future there. Anytime that you have a church full of young people, you have a dying church. Because there's no wisdom there. The Lord shows us. He's showing us through this Titus church. We have some wisdom. We have some youth. Now what we need is some commitment. Not to me, not to unity, but to Jesus for you, for yourself. So today, you can begin today. And I'm telling you, this is how this is going to go down. We are going to start strategizing on ways to overcome these battles that we are seeing. You understand what I'm saying to you? Before we mess around, um, we be eulogizing one of our own. Riding down the street on their bike. And the unthinkable happened. We're going to start strategizing this whole 2020. This is what we're doing. I want you to hold me to the fire with this. This is what we're doing. We're going out. Grandmama, back in the day, and, and, and they used to sing this song called Satan is going to tear your kingdom down. And as I got older, I began to understand that they wasn't waiting for the kingdom to come to them. They were actually marching in every kingdom of darkness that they saw. They was tearing it down. The kingdoms of darkness were actually having to get up and get through because God's people was coming and destroying them. Today we just waiting. We just waiting. We just wait to be victimized. So, so today I want to offer you the invitation. To give your life to Jesus. And, and, and if you decide to do that, I want you to just go ahead and say, you know what, I'm going to quit playing. I done been over here two, three times. Man, they ain't talking about nothing but what's real. Amen? <laughs> Might not be 900 deep. Might not have, you know, bass guitars and all of that. But the gospel is being preached. 
Then come over here and I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of tearing Satan's kingdom down. And so everything that you see us doing, the bowling things and the coming together and the, the dinners together, what I'm trying to do is the Lord's put on my heart is to bring us together so that we can be together as one. Indeed, we can be in one mind, one thought, everybody on the same page, everybody cool with each other so that we can go after Satan together. That's what this is all about. This is, this is, my, this is the method to my madness. Trying to get you to be okay with one another. I want you to be closer to your Christian brothers and sisters than you are to sinners. We should love the Christian brother. You, you know that you all should love one another more than you love the sinners in your life. 